Hey guys, this week on the podcast, Alex Salkin is here again with me. And actually, we're actually crossing streams. Uh, I was recently a guest on Alex's podcast, uh, The Hammercast, and we were talking about my new book, Be Naked. And Alex thought it would be a great idea to actually put his show on my show to, to cross the streams, if you will, because he thought it was a, a good good discussion. So we are here again with Uncle Alex on his show that is on my show, not to be confusing. Um, so we're listening to two podcasts at one time, I guess, really, is, is what we're doing right now. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much for listening to the Original Strength podcast and the Hammercast, for that matter. It's weird. I know. Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. All right. Hello. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Hammercast. I'm your host, Alex, the Hebrew Hammer Salkin, and joining me once again is none other than Tim Anderson, my friend and yours, but mostly mine. And uh, I thought that, okay, good. I'm glad that got a laugh out of you. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Tim has a new book coming out, and it is called, Tim? Be Naked. Be naked. And, you know, I was going to dress very differently for this uh, interview. You might say in a birthday suit, just, uh, you know, to be prepared. But then I thought, well, I don't have an OnlyFans that I can, you know, try to get people to sign up for. So maybe I will just dress in an original strength T-shirt instead and uh, take it from there. But it is, you look like you're going to say something I don't Yeah, that was, that's brilliant, though. We could have both been here, like, shirtless or, or naked, and nobody would know, though, because of the way the 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 camera's angle. Well, that's true. Well, they would have to use their imagination, and believe me, they would be. Uh, <laughs> but this is going on YouTube, so you know we we could still do that. But I think uh, we might also get a, a restriction for you know inappropriate content. Or, or so it's still a family show. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, before we kick things off, I will remind people that if you have uh, not already, now would be a good time to get my nine-minute kettlebell and bodyweight challenge. You know. Tim may be the king of crawling, but I would like to think that I have at least earned my keep as the crown prince of it. And I've put together a challenge that's only nine minutes long and it's designed to be done with your regular programming that contains gait pattern movements that help you get stronger at pretty much everything else. And crawling is one of those things, loaded carries, a couple of other very simple things that you can learn very quickly, uh, only require a kettlebell or two and your own fair flesh. And they're a lot of fun. People tell me all the time that they have a lot of fun doing it and that uh, they have improved their squat, their pull-ups have gone up, you know, they uh, did more military presses or with a heavier weight. So if you go to 9minutechallenge.com, you can get your own free copy. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it's the number 9minutechallenge.com. I don't know of anybody who puts numbers in a URL that are spelled out, but I somebody once asked me this, like, is it N-I-N-E? No. It is absolutely not. There's a number nine, which is nine minute challenge.com. Um, so they, they didn't want to miss it. No, they didn't. But um, I mean, I guess technically, you know, I thought I should probably just, you know, go buy nine N I N E minute challenge.com. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have to do it now because I've just put it on the podcast. And so some intrepid young user might, might do that and hope that they can draw traffic away from me. And I, I cannot let that, I cannot let that be. Or you'll have somebody that definitely just heard you say it's N-I-N-E, minute kettlebell challenge.com. Yeah, true. So now for two reasons, I need to do it. One is that I've just exposed that weak point. And number two, I've just confused at least one person in the audience. Um, so uh, 
I should just have it flash on the screen. Nine minute challenge. But that takes editing that I'm not going to do. It does. That's so, work. Yeah, not happening. I like I've told you before, I never edit anything. It's like what happens, it just happens. And uh, you know, it gets thrown Bold out. And beautiful. Everything. Exactly. Bold and beautiful. Kind of like how people might want to look when they're naked, if I am oh. as if that's a good segue. <laughs> I don't know for sure. Um now I've read a... I I don't know a ton about what the book is going to be about, but I've read the the summary because it is available for pre-sale as of the time of this recording, available for pre-sale on Amazon. And what it sounds like to me is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, that the key focus is learning how to strip away all of the stuff that you know we we use to cover ourselves and, and be uh, taken away from our true essence so that we can get a better idea of who we really are and then develop ourselves as we really are, not as you know the world tells us we should be or other people tell us we should be. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so it's really like, so uh, about three years ago, I had a book that had just come out right, right when COVID hit called Discovering You. Um, and that was about like discovering who you really are. Uh, this book is, I would call it the part two. It's one thing to discover who you are. It's a whole other thing to actually be who you're, you're meant to be. Uh, so that's where this one would pick back up. Um, and it is about, uh, I guess, getting rid of the things that you don't need to be carrying around, um, mentally and physically, um, so that you can live your best life. Now, some of that I would imagine is certainly going to be um, the mental side of things, you know, like your mindset, how you uh, view the world, uh, negative self-talk and, you know, things that we all have a tendency to kind of slide into, even if we're not realizing it, it happens bit by bit, day by day. Uh, but I would also imagine that there's at least a part of it that is a physical, uh, has a physical component to it, because what a lot of people come to understand, I think, when it comes to improving their lives in general is that it's easiest and maybe even most time efficient to start with the physical side of things so that you can start to see the world a little bit differently because you're starting to see and feel changes that can happen through decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis. And then it becomes easier to make it a little bit more cerebral. So is there like a physical, like a, we'll say like a movement component to it? There is. Um, and mostly because nobody just wants to hear me ran, you know, talk about my thoughts. Um, they want, they want, they want to learn something and move. Right. I mean, I would. So yeah. it, it is though. And like, it's very hard to approach the mind with the mind. Um, but it can often be way easier to approach the mind with the body. Uh, so there is a, a pretty much a heavy physical component to the book. Um, now there is some like, you know, like mental, I don't know, uh, jarring questions in the book, but most, but yes, a uh, heavy physical component. And, but that part of it is to get you to actually learn. So your body's always trying to tell you something. Um, so this book is designed to help you learn to interpret the messages that your body's trying to tell you um, through doing some, you know, through getting in touch with your body. And I think it's called in, interoception. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you can feel, uh, learn how to feel your body, learn, learn what it's trying to tell and basically learn how to, to partner with your body and instead of just, you know, use it and abuse it. Yeah. You know, I was going to make a, a Obi-Wan Kenobi type of joke when you said interoception, I was going to be like, that's a name I haven't heard for a long, long time. 
People don't think much about that, but that is the sense of what's going on inside of your body. And proprioception is, you know, your body's sense of itself in space. And then exteroception would be your sense of things happening outside of you. And I think we have a tendency to be very, con I think uh, it's very easy for us to get um, more familiarity with the, what's happening outside of us because we can kind of be, I don't want to say disembodied, but it's like we're not connected to those things. You can just sit back, you can observe, and in many cases, you can do so completely object or reasonably objectively. We are like, this is happening over there, that's happening here. You know, you it doesn't have any impact on how you feel personally. And then proprioception is, you know, like the vanguard of, let's say, what's going on on the outside as well as on the inside, because it has to do with wherever you happen to be. But learning what's going on inside yourself is almost certainly the hardest part because most of these things are things we just don't think about. They happen automatically. And uh, at some point or another, your thoughts and, you know, how you how you interact with the world become a part of that. And it's like everything's on autopilot and it's hard to get control of that. You need something, some sort of like a discipline to be able to reach inside and have a better understanding of what's going on. So like from your experience, what do you think is uh, the way that the that the body and movement acts as a mirror for the uh, the movements of the mind, let's say. Oh gosh, so well, you know this, but the body's just it's an expression suit. Mm -hmm. And whatever's going on inside, the body will express on the outside um, because there <laughs> you cannot separate your mind or your emotions from your physical being everything's connected everything's whole because you're a whole being uh and your body expresses uh you know where uh where the head goes the body follows right that's physical that's physically true but it's also mentally and emotionally true where the head goes or the heart for that matter the body's going to follow suit with expression um so like if you're if you're stressed or if you're afraid of something your body's going to express that in one way or another. People, uh, I'm sure everybody's had an experience with this, even if they can't come up with something off the top of their head. I'll give people an example, because this is one that I just remember very distinctly from my college years. I remember every time around finals time, there are all these final tests coming up. I had to do all this extra studying. And, you know, of course, I also held down a job. And I would always get like an acne breakout during this time. Nothing insane, but it was like, you know, it would be like, you'd be able to notice. Like I, I, I like to joke that it was like the the fountain of youth because all of a sudden all this, you know, the high school era acne would come back or whatever during the during finals time. Um, but that's a perfect example because it's like my eating really hadn't changed. Um, a lot of other stuff hadn't changed, but just that stress induced by, you know, my overthinking things or my worrying about things rather than just, you know, in a way, sort of acting like what we just talked about, the exteroception, like being on the outside of things, looking in, like, okay, this is just what I'm going to have to do. You know, these are the steps I'm going to have to take, and then I'll just do them, you know, like removing the emotional component from it. It's not easy to do that. Like you said, you know, the body is going, it's an expression suit. So it's going to reflect what is going on inside of you, whether it's, you know, in your gut, whether it's in your head, uh, no matter where it is. Um, and so give us some ideas, for instance, on like some of the things that um, people can do to make that the proprioception, their body's sense of themselves in space, have an impact on that interoception where their, their sense of themselves on the inside starts to improve. How can we use stuff that we know to improve the stuff that we seemingly have no real control over? 
So that's, and that's what the, this can be challenging. So I give multiple different ways to maybe approach this in the book Mm -hmm. and everybody's different, right? Like uh, some people need different cues than, than somebody else or, you know, just doesn't resonate, you know, with one person like it does with another. But I guess one way uh, that you could look when I was a, in, in the, when I was an EMT, you know, and when they're teaching you CPR <laughs> on a, on a, on a person that has expired for temporarily, hopefully temporarily, uh, either you're always taught to look, listen, and feel. And you're, you're, you're using your senses to see if the other person's alive or not. You just see what their body's telling you. Well, you can actually do the same thing with your own body and look, listen, and feel within yourself. But that takes, it, it, it takes effort and it takes like, you have to really be intent to get still, to be honest. It's a lot of it's honesty with yourself, like to really notice what you're feeling, what you're and to listen inside, like even to listen to your thoughts. What, because if your body's going to express whatever's in your head, you might want to know what's in your head, like to actually be aware because a lot of people hold a lot of baggage and a lot of like, you know, a lot of repeat thoughts in their head that, that are there is so common to them. They're not, they're not, they're not necessarily aware of it. Like they may, and it could be something really like, I don't know, like um, I'm just not good enough, whatever the thought is, <laughs> but, and it can seem innocent, you know, as far as the body's concerned, but the body is, it's your vessel, right? So it knows you can't hide anything from it. So whatever's going on in your head, your body knows it and it will express it. So if you're walking around with a lie, rehearsing a lie in your head, it's going to affect your body greatly. Mm-hmm. And conversely, if you're walking around with the truth in your head, well, that will also affect your body greatly in a positive way. Um, so I guess one way would just to be still and get honest with yourself and to look, listen, and feel, mm-hmm. you know, to see what you notice in your body, in your mind. And that, that would be a starting place for some people. That's not the easiest place to start for other people. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something interesting about, uh, you know, living a lie versus living the truth and how your body is going to going to react. And uh, one of the things that you said, I think, provides a third uh, option, which is what most of us, I think, are living with uh, at any given time. And that is living with an opinion. And that opinion can either be inflated, which personally, I think is a better option where it's like you have an overinflated opinion of yourself versus an underinflated opinion of yourself. Like I remember a talk that uh, Zig Ziglar gave, the good old Southern boy. I don't remember where he's from. I, no, I take that back. He's from like Mississippi, something like that. He had a real down home Southern type accent. I'm sure you've heard, you know, a talk or two of his in, in your day. Well, you know, anybody named Zig is cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He's got it's cool. Yeah. He, he was awesome. And he, he was, uh, he always had a very, uh, very direct way of explaining things and he talked once about a guy who you know he i think had kind of like a i want to say i don't remember what kind of job it was but he had basically like everything he did gave everybody the impression that he wasn't all that bright and then for whatever reason someday one day he did and this was a true story he went for some reason he did like a an iq test because he always thought he was slow everybody told him he was his teachers, his parents, like they'd just written him off. And the people who administered it were like, well, we don't know who told you you were slow, but you were far above average in your in your intelligence based on the test that you've gone through. And then from that day forward, he started to to act like that. 
and and it was true that he had a just a naturally higher IQ, but he didn't act like it because his opinion of himself was that he wasn't good enough, yes. he couldn't achieve. So he then wasn't good enough, and he and he could not achieve. And very often, it's the same thing. I think with people who are, um, when it comes to their fitness, when it comes to their health, they just think. I've exhausted all the options. And it's like they don't know that there are other options. And so what they're walking around with is not a lie. They're, they don't know the truth and are living something totally counter. They're living an opinion which they think is the truth or just facts. And they have a hard time getting it through their heads that it's just an opinion. But that's that's part of the problem, right? So we collect, we're collectors of information, but we don't always vet the information. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 90% of the time or greater, we don't vet the information. So if your mom tells you something, if your dad tells you something, if your the high school bully tells you something, the news, if the news report tells you something, we just take it mm-hmm. and, and we end up collecting it. Even if we don't want to believe it, it's in there. Once you hear it, once you see it, you, you it's kind of like planting a seed. And then, you know, you might, you might think on it later that night over dinner, you might marinate on it while you're driving home from work. And so all you're doing is now you're watering the seed, right? But so we collect information and a lot of times, especially if it comes from an authority, what if you go to the doctor and he says, Hey man, you got high blood pressure. You need to take this medication or or you're likely to die from a heart attack. Now, what are you going to go home thinking? I'm going to die from a heart attack really soon. And I need this medication when there may be an alternative or, you know, like there's just so many, but you know, once you collect it and yet once you believe it, then your body will express it. It'll yeah. even run the, your body runs the program, whatever the program is, your body's going to carry it out because it's the hardware and your right. thoughts or the information is the software. And the two are, are in their, they're one. I mean, there's, we, sometimes people like to joke, you know, that we're like a, you know, we're like a brain that's driving the body, but that, that kind of disconnects those two things from one another they are very very connected you know another great example i was you know i was just thinking about this before we started you've heard you sure you've heard of the oculus right it's like a thing you put you okay yeah for those who have not heard of it it's like i think it's a facebook thing i are they it is the meta meta exactly (laughs) meta (laughs) to get people involved in that that metaverse that everybody evidently actually doesn't care about but um which is thankful, but that's another another story for another day. You got to live in the real world, folks. But they do have some cool games attached to it. I will tell you that much. I went over to my friend's house a couple of years ago, and he has an Oculus that his kids play with. And so he's like, Alex, have you ever tried this? And I'm not a video games guy at all. And I was like, no, I'm not really all that interested. He's like, just try one. It's like, it's like a target shooting game. It, you know, it, It's a lot of fun. And I put it on, and I was like instantly enamored. I never get interested by video games, but this was so cool. But the point is that I remember basically what it was is the premise of the game is that you're in this sort of like cart, uh, like on a on a railroad track, and you're going around, and then there are these targets that you have to shoot at with like a paintball gun. This is this is the game, and what you would see when you watch other and I would this would happen to me, but then I would also see other people doing it, like they're moving, or there'll be a part where it'll jump off of something, and there there were several times where I had to sit on the floor because I was afraid I was going to fall over, because. I was so uh, I was so fixated on what I was seeing and what my what my brain was telling me, but you know the point is none of that stuff is actually real. None of it's happening. It's all in your head, and your body is reacting in kind. It cannot separate the fact that, or maybe it can with extreme difficulty, 
that what you were looking at is completely not real. It's just, it's acting as if it's real. Psycho-cybernetics. A hundred percent. And this is a big thing that Fury talks about too, since we've brought that up, is to act as if. If you act as if you're already successful or confident, then you're going to, people aren't going to be able to tell the difference. They're going to say, okay, this is a guy who walks, stands up straight, asks, you know, uh, firmly for what he would like. It's huge. More, impo more importantly, your body can't tell the difference. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the other people think. Your body can't tell the difference between what you're playing in your head. So if you, if you are acting like you're confident, your nervous system believes, oh, I'm safe. Everything's good. Let's Absolutely. stick our chest out and stroll. Exactly. And you know, um, uh, on that on that topic, I was going to mention too, I remember, I'm sure you've had experiences like this and I'm sure the listeners have as well. But I remember a number of years ago, I was going through a 12-week 12 12 program with my coach, Scott Stevens, and I would go into the gym every day and uh, Scott and I have a great rapport. And so I would like, you know, periodically, I would just say funny things just for the sake of saying something silly. And um, if he had to spot me doing something um, before I would have to do a set, I would say something funny. So I remember I was doing, it was like dumbbell, uh, a dumbbell chest press for as many reps as I could do. And I was like, Scott, you better put 911 on speed dial because I'm about to murder these weights. And then I would lean back and I would like press them for as many reps as I could do. And then I think this was maybe, I don't know, I want to say maybe like not even like a week or so after the, the, the completion of this program, I wanted to make a YouTube video. And normally what happens I, uh, back then is I had to do like four or five takes because it would just come out sounding too bland or I would just seem too timid because it was like, there's a camera on me. I don't know what I'm doing. And then I remember I just sat down, turned the thing on and I just started talking and it was like totally, it flowed easily. I only did one take, I think. And I remember watching it back and I was like, I, I feel like a completely different person. And I was thinking, like, why would this be the case? And then I was thinking like, well, you know, I've never said before every single set, you know, something funny, you know, like I'm about to murder these weights or, you know, I'm about to teach gravity a lesson or something like that. Um, but I think it was because of all that, you know, again, fake it till you make it. it, it to, in, in the conversation we were having, it was kind of just meant as a joke, but the body and mind didn't see it like that. They, they saw it as, you know, like I'm commanding it what to do. And then it just, did what I said I was going to do. But levity, uh, humor is freeing. It takes yeah. away baggage. And and your nervous system, if if it recognizes humor and levity, then it feels light and safe. Like So it's not going to inhibit you anymore. Yeah. And people don't connect that, but there are movements that can give you that feeling of levity. Absolutely. Let's hear an example. I've got one in mind, but I want to... This is the... This is the time for, for me to showcase some of the, the, let's hear it. I, I'm, I'm already talking too much. I gotta, I gotta. So, get I mean, one for, for a lot of people is silly as childish as skipping. Bingo. That's exactly what was coming to mind. Okay. We're on this, well, you know, right here. <laughs> exactly. Bingo. No, you know what, too? I remember you and I were teaching an OS workshop in, uh, I'm not going to say where, cause I don't want to narrow it down so that people can figure out who this might've been, but. We were, you and I were teaching an OS workshop a number of years ago, and you had a friend who was attending who I think had just gone through a breakup, and he was kind of, you know, it was tough on him. It was, it was really tough on him. 
and we were at the skipping section and somebody had asked you because I was off to the side but I could hear it somebody asked like you know you're or maybe you were having a conversation with somebody maybe they didn't ask you um but very tactfully you pointed out like you know one of the reasons some people have a hard time skipping is because if they're if they're really really sad it's just like they can't even connect with that levity and and again, this is, if I say it like this is going to sound like you said it untactfully, it was not. But I think you mentioned it, your friend, because I, I think the person brought it up. It's like almost everybody in here is doing a good job at it except for so-and-so. And then that was when you explained. You said, you know, he's going through, you know, kind of a rough patch. And so he had, he's, uh, he's just not able to, to even connect with that sense of levity. Because, and I, but again, it wasn't because he was physically incapable. He's an extraordinarily athletic guy. But he, because he was reeling from this very recent breakup, he just, you know, uh, couldn't make it happen. Couldn't do the skipping. Uh, it came out looking very robotic. He just couldn't couldn't make the connection. And it had nothing to do with his capabilities. It had everything to do with, you know, his ability to accept this sort of levity in his life. And and like I said, it is typically easier to approach the mind with the body. But if the mind is really holding on to something, the mind's powerful. Yeah. And it actually has a little bit more power <laughs> than than the body has. Big time. I think more than anything, it's it's kind of like sometimes you have to let your body get out of its own way. I'm, I'm sorry, you have to let the mind get out of the way of the body. I should say. Yes. Yeah. You need. You just need a, a window of opportunity sometimes. Totally. But people find I think it gets easy to do that when you have a regular physical regimen, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. I mean, because then you're giving your body opportunity to to clear out some junk. Um, yeah. you know, even mental, mental jump, um, because movement, oh, you've heard this all your life. Movement is medicine. Um, but movement makes the, from a neurological standpoint can help the brain feel safe. Mm -hmm. And when the brain feels safe from a neurological standpoint, it's going to let the body move better. But again, everything reflects everything. So if the, if the body is now able to move because the brain feels safe, then the mind and emotions are also now more free mm -hmm. to let go of baggage um, because your nervous system goes from fight or flight into rest and digest or yeah. from sympathetic mode to parasympathetic mode. So once your body's in parasympathetic mode, you can be more creative. You can have more clear, uh, thoughts. You can, you can let junk and baggage get out of your system much easier. Yeah. And this is, uh, all stuff that you don't just explain in the book, but you also show them ways that they can institute these sorts of things so that they can take some real action, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Like I said, there's a, there's, there's a pretty heavy dose of movement and I say, so, you know, uh, pressing reset books, all how to press reset. And most of that movement is at normal speed. Yeah. Yes. There it is. This book goes into more of a refined, slower movement so that you can really pay attention uh, and learn from your body at the same yeah. time. Yeah. That's big. That's a, you know, you, I learned this from you about the importance of really using slow movements, particularly with the resets, because a lot of times that's where you find number one on, on purely from a performance standpoint, a lot of times that's where you find uh, the uh, issues that people are having with their movements and things like that. But when you can actually slow down and really feel what your body's doing, meaning slower than what you even need to do, that's where the real magic happens for a lot of people. Yeah, that's where you find if you have a hitch in your giddy up or if something just doesn't feel right, or you may find that you actually feel something for the very first time ever. 
Yeah. And when you start learning how to feel, then you can start learning how to listen. Exactly. And it's that ability to feel what's going on again in where you are in space. It's that, that proprioception that helps you to get a better understanding of that interoception, how you're feeling on the inside. And, uh, yeah, a lot of times it's just taking the stuff that you know or that's easier to learn that helps you to make it easier to learn the harder stuff or get in touch with the more difficult stuff. Absolutely. Now, if there are any uh, pointers that you could give people like just right off the bat, like just like let's say a snippet, not a huge bite. It'd be like you go to Costco, you get one of those little, you know, taste <laughs> things where you're like, oh, I'm going to try. Sample Sunday. Sample exactly. Sunday. You can fill up. <laughs> Complete. A uh, random tangent, but apparently it's in the rules at Costco that they cannot tell you no if you want more samples. <laughs> oh, I've I've seen multiple people go back for more. So yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I remember hearing about this in a podcast. Somebody they were like, "I'm pretty sure that's against the rules." He's like, "No." They looked it up, like on the podcast. Like, see, you know, it, you're they're not even allowed to tell you no. I think you, they can't cut you off. Basically, you know, like I think my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law's friend leaves there full when he's on Sundays. He he can't eat anymore after he's done. See, I I always get tempted by the people when I'm there. I, I was there the other day doing some shopping, and this dude came up with a rack. I'm not kidding. A rack of pizzas, like freshly baked, 18-inch, like big pizzas for like 10 bucks. And he was like, he looked right at me. He walked right up next to my cart. I was in line, opened the thing up. He goes, these are for you. And... uh I said, I'm very tempted. You're obviously very good at your job, but I'm trying to watch my girlish figure. And he laughed and he accepted that as an answer. And uh, I got away with my my physique unscathed, but it was not easy. It was definitely not easy. But back to the original point as we're getting off topic here with the Costco business. Um, if you could give people like a little snippet or like a, a taste that would make them want to come back and fill their proverbial bellies with... Uh, more of the great and nutritious knowledge in this upcoming book. What would be some like an example of something that they could do very slowly for maybe a period of time so that they will buy your book on Amazon, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, link in description. Like uh, like movement type stuff or? or... Certainly, yeah. So like maybe like a, a routine that kind of gives this idea, not even the super complicated one, but like slow, um, using the time to learn how your body is is um, reacting to the movement and getting the sense of how it feels to do the things that you're doing so like something maybe like a, a short example from the book of, one low-hanging uh probably easy thing to do because i don't i don't know how much the listeners are familiar with uh the resets and stuff uh would be to lie on the floor like uh you're in a the position of a star so your legs are kind of you're comfortable your arms are out, you know, either by your side, perpendicular or up towards your head, but, and your, your legs are splayed out like a star. Um, and then as you're lying there, maybe you just take one limb, like say your right arm and you put just enough energy into it, just enough to like barely lift it off the floor. So that if you had to hit arm hair, your arm hairs are still touching the floor, but your arm is, is actually being lifted. Mm. And then you're feeling what happens in your body. Like, like what happens in your chest when you do that? What happens in, in your breathing when you do that? What happens in the opposite leg? How much energy does it take? Is it, are you able to hold it there effortless, effortlessly or is it, is it shaking? Why? And is it shaking? Why is it shaking? Like, like it's, it's just to learn how to feel the energy that you are, that you create, and then to learn how to 
to dial into, okay, well, why, why does it feel like that? Or why, you know, why is it hard to do? Why, why, oh, why, why do I feel tight here? Why does this, oh, it keeps getting tighter. Oh my gosh. Why is it getting tighter? Like, so it just, just you doing that can help you learn how to start listening to your body and understanding your body. Again, once you learn how to do that, your body's an expression suit. So easiest example is most people walk around, maybe they have a neck or shoulder pain. Well, pain or tension, tension is stored fear. So if you can learn, oh man, my low back is killing me. Why is it so tight? Uh, or what, oh, what, what am I, what am I afraid of? What's going on in my life right now that I'm really struggling with? Is that why my back hurts? And for a lot of people, once they discover that, because they've learned how to listen to their body, they're not trying to ignore it. They're not just trying to pop Advil. Um, and they learn how to listen to that. Then they, they can start to uncover, oh my gosh, I had no idea my dog dying had such an effect on me. And then once they discover that too, now they're letting it go inside. And they may feel relief. They may, you know, they, maybe they didn't deal with the grieving process or whatever. And they're just holding on to something that, that the body's stuck with. And it's trying to get their attention so that they can deal with it to let it go. But they might not ever know that if they don't start listening or understanding what the body's trying to tell them. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. I think that's the sort of a thing that most people would do well to do because it involves just slowing down. And feeling the things that you've just sort of learned to ignore and stop ignoring them. Yeah. And then if so, uh, just 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 to be up front, and this is where the title comes from. What's and I'm asking you because I know you already you you probably know, but what is the very second, the first two questions that God asked man in the Bible? What was the second one? Where are you? That was the first one. But that's an important question. The first one was, where are you? Which is so why, important. Why are you hiding? Well, kind of, but it was, who told you that you were naked? Ah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yes, that's right. Uh, yes, of course. Who told you that you were naked? And that's important. Yeah. That's really important. Because God didn't tell Adam he was naked. That's right. But God asked a question to create an interruption in Adam's brain for Adam to start figuring stuff out, to understand yeah. things. That's fantastic. I like that a lot. That's a very, very good one. So when you start to listen to your body and or learn how to start listening to the questions that you're being asked, you can start actually letting go of a lot of baggage and fear. You can quit hiding from behind whatever tree that was, you can let the fig tree, fig leaf go, and you can be who you're meant to be. And that's pretty much the point of the book. That's epic. That is epic. Folks, I highly recommend you rush out and go either pre-order a copy, depending on when you were listening to this, but April 1st is the official release date. Is that correct? That is it. Good. Feel like the perfect day, April Fool's Day for. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that would be really funny is if they just bought it and it was completely blank, and you're like, ha ha. <laughs> but it won't be blank. It's going to be, be blank. with uh, really, really great insights. So, folks, uh, go to the link in my description. You will be able to get your very own copy of Be Naked by Tim Anderson. And uh, again, 
despite what the name might imply, it is actually family friendly. This will definitely be the sort of a thing that is going to be good to teach your kids because I think a lot of times, a lot of our, again, bringing up Zig Ziglar, a lot of our stinking thinking comes from uh, habits that we learned as kids. And the easier, the quicker that you can learn how to uh, fix some of these habits as a youth, it'll be easier to fix them as you, or not to have to deal with them as you get older. But even as you get older, all hope is not lost. All you need is to think of it better, take some action. And this book is going to be an excellent guideline. So I'm looking forward to reading it, adding it to my collection. I brought out uh, a small sampling of some of the books that I have uh, from Tim. And I didn't bring them all out, but I brought out uh, two that were the easiest to grab while I could make sure that I got here on, on time for our, our chat today. Um, in addition to getting this book, where can people follow you online? So uh, online, uh, YouTube, the Original Strength YouTube channel. Uh, there's a video every week for the last uh, 10 years. So we're pushing like 520 videos. Uh, and they're all short, easy to follow. Well, somewhat easy to follow along if you can deal with my jokes and, you know, or poor jokes or whatever. Um, and then there's a originalstrength.net if people want to you know, like learn more about pressing reset and reading articles about it or or maybe look also buying books if they're not a fan of Amazon. There you go. I like that option. And, uh, and of course you guys have some uh, great workshops as well that are done both live as well as uh, virtual workshops or vert shops, as I like to call them. Nobody else calls them. Nice. Uh, but I do. You should. You're, you're, welcome you're a trendsetter. <laughs> I tr I'm trying actually, but I, I really like to be at, I, I like to be places in person. And so um, I, I'll definitely do a lot of stuff online, but I think in-person thing is fun. So if you get a chance, go to an original strength workshop in person, learn the craft from the man himself or from any one of his crack students, like uh, various master instructors like Mike Musselman, who's been on the show, Mark Shropshire, again, another guy who's been on the show, um, Danny Almeida, she's of course been on the show as well. Whole lot of very smart, very interesting people to listen to and uh, you won't regret it. It is well worth the trip. It's always going to be worth the time that you spend doing it. And uh, who knows, by at least by the time you get to the skipping part of the workshop, you're probably going to be laughing a lot and having a lot of fun. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. So uh, Tim, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. It was fun. Absolutely. And folks, as always, have fun and happy training. Thanks for listening, everyone. Now get outside and play.